The views expressed on this show are not necessarily those of KUCI, the UC Board of Regents, or loved ones lost or maimed in this year of 2020. Good morning, I'm your host, Claudia Shambaugh, welcoming you to the final edition of the year 2020. It's the December 29, 2020 show of Ask a Leader. Today, we'll hear from Craig Turrell, Artistic Director of the Wayward Artist Productions in Santa Ana and member of the faculty of the Cal State Fullerton University Department of Theatre and Dance. He'll talk about the workarounds this year and project what treats they have for us for 2021. In the second segment, we're going to hear from Elizabeth Turk, local artist with international acclaim. We'll talk about her immersive works and an installation at the Southern California Art Projects and Exhibitions, The Air We Breathe COVID Diaries. Welcome back to the show. Returning to Ask a Leader is my first guest, Craig Turrell, Artistic Director of the Wayward Artist Productions in Santa Ana at the Cal State Fullerton Building, and also faculty of Cal State University Theater and Dance Department. Craig has come to our program each time he's rolling out a new season, and we're going to talk about how this last year's season was adapted and what will be in store for us on the other side of the pandemic. Craig comes to us today from his family home in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Welcome back to Ask a Leader, Craig Terrell. Thank you so much, Claudia. It is wonderful to uh, get in contact with you again. I miss our chats together. I so miss our chance to, to visit in studio where you've come a long way over to visit with me at the station. So you've wrapped now two semesters in the age of COVID at Cal State Fulton. Briefly, could you tell us how you adapted your curriculum of performing arts and maybe were there any kinds of opportunities you wouldn't have imagined but for the kind of stay in place orders that we had this last year? Well, as an educator, I found myself alongside all my colleagues, uh, you know, that immediate overnight transfer to online teaching. And so the end of the spring semester was sort of frantic and we all did the best that we could. Over the summer, uh, with time to prepare, it's been a different case in the fall. So I look back and I, you know, I think overall um, there was still quality learning. Is it ideal? Am I itching to get back in the classroom? Were there a lot of challenges in terms of trying to teach performance-based classes online? Absolutely. Um, but, you know, there's, there's software and, and creative people are filling the gap to meet the needs of the performing arts when it comes to online teaching. So I ended the semester feeling good. Um, okay. Theater has been a little different because so many of us, you know, were forced to go dark and close our doors and uh, at the mercy of, you know, restrictions. And uh, so unfortunately, we, we canceled our season last season, um, we are coming back in full swing in 2021. But you know, artists and theater, they've been, it's, it's about 
filming and virtual performance and acting in Zoom boxes and, and finding creative ways to tell stories in this new pandemic world for sure without live audience. And, you know, that's had its challenges as well. So with many theaters having to store their wares and then actually clo they close their venues, could store for a while, and then they had to shut down everything. So you, you have some pretty reasonable terms that you can continue at where your theater is located, the Cal State Fullerton Building, downtown Santa Ana? Yeah, so uh, Grand Central Art Center, that's our home. There we had the, you know, a little bit at the mercy of the university and the university has closed Grand Central all of uh, 2020 or since the pandemic hit. Um, it's still closed at the beginning of 2021. You know, it's at the mercy of the uh, coronavirus. We're hoping to be back in the space creating theater ideally by March. Um, but again, that's a, that's a big question. Our first hope to come back to live theater uh, at a different venue than our home, we need an outside space is gonna be summer 2021. But you know, you've been to our theater, Claudia, it's, it's a small intimate 73 seat thrust space. Um, we don't expect to be actually in there making live theater through 2021. So for the whole year. Yeah. So most of our projects are going to be virtual performances, film performances, outside socially distant performances, but live theater, our best hope and guess is July. Outdoors. Outdoors, socially distant, rehearsed, performed, and uh, with socially distanced audience. Well, you, you hit on a feature that I wanted to bring up at the Wayward Artist. Intimacy is huge part of the DNA. So with the kinds of remote productions that were sort of patching some of the, the wayward artists' presence in the community, patching it through this, the, the canceled live performances, what kinds of places are you looking at outdoors? I'm sure everybody's competing for those, or are there landlords that are, I mean, there's huge spaces wide open spaces, maybe that's, there's a logistical problem, but there's a lot of spaces that seem like could be adapted imaginatively for a live performance of theater. That's the hope, you know, there, there's outdoor amphitheaters, there's parks, um, there's city venues. One of the things we're hoping is just to use the space and architecture and buildings and neighborhood of the historic arts district downtown Santa Ana, which is where our home is. We're re-envisioning dance. What happens if you take dance outside and create a little traveling immersive experience among the businesses and buildings and, and sites of where our home already is? That, that's our immediate inclination is using our neighborhood and seeing what theater can be made outside. And I'm just thinking of some of those public spaces nearby. There's, I mean, parking facilities. Are those some things that people look at? You know, that's a really interesting, imaginative kind of, uh, you know, thing to ponder. And that's exactly where, where we're looking at. Um, you know, I think part of what could be exciting is the creative process just starts with uh, our front door and a walk around the neighborhood looking for spots and venues and places that uh, inspire storytelling and would work uh, in terms of actually creating some sort of theatrical experience there. And I think a parking lot is a really wonderful idea to consider. Well, there are a number nearby the Grand Central building 
My guest, for those of you who've just joined us, is Craig Terrell. He's the artistic director of the Wayward Artist and member of the faculty at Cal State Fullerton University's Theater and Dance Department. And we're talking about how the Wayward Artist and faculty members are adapting during this pandemic and continuing the season. So I, I want to give you a chance to talk about what you've been busy already adapting at the Wayward Artist Menu into a platform for ex an expression of not just art, but politics this year. Tell us about the broader political discussions that you've conducted on the Wayward Artist virtual platforms. Um, what do you mean political per se? Well, there's justice issues and inclusive in terms of broader demographics being represented in performing arts. And the, the back in the summer when people yeah. were now dialing on to the ongoing, the ever-present, but dialing up their participation and speaking out against the status quo and criminal justice and social well, justice. The summer civil unrest with Black Lives Matter, it's forced everybody. You know, it's, it's funny at, at our church, at the, at the university level, and of course theaters are all grappling with, you know, the injustices that persons of color in our nation have dealt with historically. Um, in terms of theater, theater companies and uh, institutions have been asking themselves, what are the stories that we tell? How do we choose the stories that we tell? Um, are persons of color uh, being representative and represented, hired and, and part of the uh, conversation, which is theater in the way that uh, they deserve? And Wayward Artist was no different than that. And we concluded that we, in fact, weren't doing enough and that we could do better. And so our mission, again, is to be a home for the Wayward Artist, the lost, the naked, and the vulnerable. And we want our place to be a safe space. And we want a uh, place that, uh, in terms of our mission, in terms of the stories that we tell, that uh, has true BIPOC representation. So, you know, we changed policies and procedures and took a hard look at ourselves. Um, I think in terms of what we're doing now, one of the exciting things that we'll be doing in 2021 is um, Wayward Voices. Yes. We've offered artist grants um, to four individual BIPOC artists. So we had a selection process that was ongoing that just ended earlier in the month. We'll premiere our first BIPOC voice, Wayward Voice in January and then throughout okay. the year. And uh, yeah, it's, it's BIPOC storytelling, creative teams, artists doing everything that we can to support their voice, to share their voice, um, to make them part of our home and help so that as we evolve and, and, and move forward, um, that theater really is true to who we are as artists, as a community, as a, as a nation, you know, as a global community. Exciting things. So Craig, this actually does beg a question where you're advancing in your political commentary. How can you tell whether you're bringing your patrons along with you? With the, the remoteness of the patrons, is it possible that you can gauge that whether they are coming along with you in this broader representation of voices in performance art? You know, that's, that's a really good question. Um, and it's, you know, the, it's uncharted waters for all of us as we move into 2021. Because um, patrons it, are the ones, you all can figure that out. And all of you have been pretty active in that for a couple of generations, all told. But 
um, but your patrons might might not be there yet. So it, it, they're such an important entity in this whole sort of conversation. Yeah, well, the larger question as well is, you know, are audiences going to respond regardless of the subject matter, regardless of uh, who's involved in it, to the this kind of online format, video format, you know, that I think most people, you know, the essential ingredient of theater, again, is its live audience. And mm-hmm. without that experience and without being able to, you know, be part of a live audience, do we expect to have the same following and support that we've had uh, when we were in our space? I don't expect that being honest. And I don't know if that has anything at all to do with, you know, the stories that we're telling, because in some ways I think the stories that we're telling and have been telling all along do challenge our audiences, do push the envelope, not in just in terms of political and societal questions. So I, I think we're in continuity with what we've always done and uh, yeah. And whether, and it, if I'm being honest, you know, I think 2021 really is about continuing to create art and support artists without an expectation of the same sort of audience engagement that we've had previously. Um, Because I just, in a lot of ways, um, I I think in some way people are a little tired, you know, of sort of online art, online format, you know, and, you know, we're making our way through and doing the best that we can, but it's not a substitute for live theater. Um, now in terms of, are they going to go, are they going to follow with us? Are they going to support us? Um, I, I think, I think so. I have great faith in our audience and in our supporters. Um, they were there for us to keep us alive and then financially support and, uh, through 20, through the pandemic. And I've always felt that our audience believes in us and appreciate that we're willing to, uh, put ourselves out there in that regard. It's really our hope that the Wayward Artist is really an example for all theater within Orange County and uh, and really want to be an example of what it truly means to be equitable, diverse, and inclusive. So the hashtag we are wayward, that was an ongoing conversation. Did you see a, a sort of a, a broadening of the patron support through that? Could you see it? Uh, I guess, yes. Um, yes, we could. And as we move into 2021, one of my to-do list is to reach out and continue to ask support of our patrons in service to wayward artists, specifically, or, or wayward voices, specifically speaking. Okay. Um, you know, because, yeah, we're going to need that more than ever. Um, I think how do we best gauge our support, um, our f- effectiveness, will be in terms of our wayward family, which is not just our, just our audience, but uh, the community of artists that call ourselves home. And uh, so a year from now, who's part of our family? How have we expanded our ranks? How have we brought new people into the fold? I think Wayward Voices is, will have a lot to help in that regard. And so we're at the beginning of the process and, and there'll be good assessment to be done at the, the end of next our fourth season at this point. Yes. Okay. Well, if, if there's a way you could sort of walk us through, like from January, you were, you were talking about what the year generally sure. will look like sure. in 2021. Okay. So January, we'll have our first Wayward Voice produced in a virtual online format. Um, when we get into April, we come back to Felice, a, a new American play, which is a world premiere. We were in rehearsals for Felice last year when the pandemic hit. 
And uh, it's, a, it's a Latinx story with a wonderful Latinx creative team and actors. You know, it's the story of a Mexican-American family living in Bakersfield, dealing with their secrets over the holidays. Um, we're continuing to explore identity in all of season four. That will uh, premiere in April. Our hope is to film this production in, in our space if COVID allows. And that, that's plan A. Plan B is it becomes a, a Zoom online performance if the pandemic dictates that. But we're still hoping to actually film it in the space in a uh, socially distant way and then premiere that in a virtual online format as well. We'll have another wayward voice in the late spring. We'll come back to the 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee under the direction of Brooke Aston. That's where we hope to return to live theater in an outdoor, uh, socially distant space. Around so July? In July. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're currently looking to find that perfect space. In the fall, we come back to uh, dance. Uh, one of the things we are most proud of at The Wayward Artist is that we include dance every part of our season. Um, it's really sort of a once in a life experience, um, but we, we wanna take dance outside into an immersive experience, exploring identity. And then we're gonna end our season with a collaboration between myself uh, and, a, and a fellow resident artist, Juan Moreno, exploring 2020 and 2021 experience of what we're feeling in this pandemic world uh, in a, also another kind of immersive experience centered in the historic arts district uh, outside once again in a traveling sort of experience also a, in in live theater and then of course wayward voices two other performance of wayward voices so uh, all told how many wayward voices will there be throughout the whole year four four there'll be four yeah, there's of those. four individual projects and uh, those will all be a, in a virtual online format and then we've got four shows that are mm -hmm. part of our season as well Craig, it's a delicate one, and I know it's, it may be not so much a delicate, but a kind of a, a recurrent and annoying question to ask about, will Wayward Voices bring up this monumental divide of tribe in our politics? Um, well, I... I to the extent that, you know, it's going to be an expression of BIPOC experience. Sometimes that experience is, is one of injustice. Um, and, but, but the BIPOC experience is, is so uh, multifaceted and, and, and unique in its own experience. Um, so yes and no, I guess would be my answer to that question. Because it seems like with, when you were talking about how the, the, uh, the, the collaborative piece you're talking about is the experience, our feelings about the, how the pandemic has unrolled. And it, that sort of bi-tribal kind of response to this public health catastrophe, and I, I use that always advisedly, when it's the proportion of this crisis, public health development is as bad as I have to call it a catastrophic. So back to the, if the people are, if you're processing in that collaborative effort, that it seems like we're continuing to see that divide expressed in people's response to being safe or our defiance of trying to keep others safe. I, I think that, that that itself is a very interesting topic for theatrical experience. I do. 
So uh, maybe we'll see that somewhere yeah. coming up. It's a, yeah, it's a yeah, request maybe. of mine because it may be there's a really incredible ingredient in theater that's going to ease out that um, ease the discussion or to, that will lure. It's not going to. It's not going to make it easier. That will lure the discussion between tribes, so, because of it's just getting more and more painful with the different take on what this pandemic means and what individuals' response is should be to it, this pandemic. It, the third part of our mission is to uh, transform a wayward world. It's arrogance. It's ignorance. Ignorance. It's complacency. And uh, it's a very divisive world right now. And I totally believe that theater can not only highlight uh, the divisiveness, um, some, it, it has the potential to heal that uh, divisiveness. And uh, that kind of theater excites me. Good. I'm looking forward. I'm going to watch where those opportunities are coming. And we definitely will cover on Ask a Leader when the season be continues to shape and we can have a chance to examine what you're doing there and what we need to post listeners on that. Is there, you've talked about some of these projects. There's also the Red Alert Restart. Where is, what's the status of that, getting that support for artists in rescue packages voted on in Congress? Well, I, there's been progress there. You know, we're quite grateful to the, the city of Santa Ana and, and their relief package. Um, they, without their support, Wayward would be in a difficult position. Um, there's new California grant funding that's opening up for application uh, at the end of this month. I hope there is more relief to be found there. I do know my experience of local officials within Santa Ana and in the state, and I, I would say nationally as well, a concern for the arts and, and recognize that theater is devastated. Um, we want theater to survive. So I'm hopeful and I'm optimistic, at least in terms of the support I'm finding for our company and for other arts. Um, the OC theater, you know, there a lot of people are supporting individual artists too. Okay. Uh, and, you know, because so many jobs were lost overnight again for people that work within theater. And there are resources there. there. Could there be more? Absolutely. But they've helped us tremendously. So here is your opportunity to pitch how it's best for folks to follow Wayward Artists and to support Wayward Artists. Um, the best way to support uh, the Wayward Artist um, would be go to our website at thewaywardartist.org, visit our Facebook page, The Wayward Artist OC, um, join our newsletter through the website. You'll always be up to date with who we are, our mission, what's coming up in terms of our season. We're going to be making a lot of um, virtual online art in, in 2021. And how could you support us is, is watch our productions, go online, uh, connect it with your TVs at home and, and experience the stories that we're telling in 2021. I know it's not live theater, but it's where theater is right now until we make it through and weather this storm together and listen to our stories and, and experience them in a format that's not ideal, but yet still powerful. And of course, listeners know the connection between supporting now gets us to that place where we can be together. So it's something I want to chime in. And the charter of dealing with arrogance, ignorance, and complacency, it, there couldn't be more valor in what art does for a community, Craig. 
Thank you, Claudia. Thank you very much. Sadly, I have to bring this encounter to a close, Craig. It's been another pleasure to be with you today on Ask a Leader. It is always a pleasure with you, Claudia. Um, you are a wonderful supporter of ours, and I just look forward to the day when we can be back together and I can give you a hug because I, I, I love hugs and, and you're such a great uh, hugger yourself. <laughs> Please. My guest was Craig Turrell, Artistic Director of the Wayward Artists and member of the faculty at Cal State Fullerton's Department of Dance and Theater. Happy New Year, Craig, and here's to the vigor and the inspiration that you will bring to performance art in 2021 on the other side of this pandemic. Happy New Year. Thanks. Stay tuned. Next is Elizabeth Turk, artist of international acclaim, and she'll talk about her immersive exhibitions and the Southern California Art Projects and Exhibition in Orange County, The Air We Breathe COVID Diaries. Welcome back to Ask a Leader. My next guest and the final guest for the year 2020 is local artist, with international acclaim, Elizabeth Turk. Her appearance today is fitting as her work has been a beacon of resilience, defiance, and hope wrapped in beauty that is hers alone. Previously, I've covered her work with Malcolm Warner, who's exhibited her varied and wonderful installations at the Laguna Art Museum's Shoreline Project, most recently among other installations. A native Californian, Elizabeth Turk is an artist known for marble sculpture and the ET Projects community art events. Currently, she splits her time between a studio in Orange County, California, and New York City. She is a MacArthur Fellow, an Annalee and Barnett Newman Foundation recipient, and a Smithsonian Artist Fellow, among other awards. She completed her Bachelor's of Arts from Scripps College Claremont and her Master's of Fine Arts from Maryland Institute College of Art. Her marble sculptures search the boundaries of paradox, the contemporary and the traditional, the lightness in weight, the emptiness in mass, the fluidity of the solid extended time and moment. In 2018, she launched the ET projects to develop participatory immersive art experiences, which we will bring up in a project that recently occurred in Pomona, California. Her community projects are inspired by nature, yet rely on audience participation to create new ways of sharing imagination and developing collective memories. She comes to us today from her office studio in Newport Beach. Welcome to Ask a Leader, Elizabeth Turk. Thank you so much for inviting me. This is a very fun opportunity and a wonderful way to wrap up a tremendous year. Tremendous, indeed. Well, I want to start. The artists have been providing for and lifting our souls throughout this pandemic and interviewing performance and studio artists at the close of this year. It is a real treat to be able to take stock of your important work and the adaptations necessary to reach the public. And as you say yourself, your practice is a more traditional object. Making art work is your meditation. So we're gonna start with this beautiful project and immersive ET projects 
and Look Up. It was staged at the Mount San Antonio Gardens in Pomona, California. And some of my listeners might have seen the coverage of it in the New York Times last month. It's a dance of many kinds. Would you, Elizabeth, talk about the process of creating it and its eventual performative aspect? Oh, thank you for asking about that project first, because truly, I think the focus of Look Up over the fall months brought such optimism to me personally in the desire to try and find hope and a way of leading our ourselves, kind of to find a, a group of people that could become our leadership again out of, I don't know, out of the morass that we currently find ourselves um, living in. I was forced to look in unconventional direction, I guess. And through this partnership at Mount San Antonio Gardens with the director, Maureen Weiss, we ended up in about 14 weeks creating one of the most beautiful and joyful events and then um, art pieces that I think I've ever created. It started off with something really simple. I mean, we had the barriers and the boundaries, the parameters, I guess might be a better word, of COVID to help frame what we could and couldn't do. And so when we realized that we could film by drone, we could imagine so many different things. So Mount San Antonio Gardens is a retirement home. And when people were asking me, what? You are organizing an event for several hundred people in a retirement home during a pandemic. I just, I wasn't quite sure what I would, how I should respond. But the fact was, that's what we were doing. And we realized that they could become an example of that if you follow the rules, everybody could be safe. And so we decided to create a beautiful color scope, basically, that turned into a kaleidoscope or kind of a moving stained glass window. Because when you think of yourselves in some of those beautiful cathedrals throughout Europe, or you see yourself in front of a stained glass window, you look up and through it, and sort of hoping for a better a better future, a better next day, or a, just a better, better platform. Yourself. Exactly. On every level. And we've also realized that by filming with drones, we were able to safely move people through a space. Obviously, this is a way that we reworked some of the elements that we learned with Shoreline at Laguna Beach. And we then filmed these very colorful umbrellas, all with different drawings of resilient plants on them. When we were editing or when we were working in post, Eric Tienes, a floating lantern production house, brought different kaleidoscopic editing systems so that all of these umbrellas became the pixels of these beautiful, beautiful kaleidoscopes. It's hard to imagine that they were the different areas throughout the retirement home. I think there were seven or eight areas that we filmed it's hard to imagine that they were that reality. It was spectacular. And now our analytics show that it's been watched over 20,000 times, uploaded over 70, I think, 
at this point. And we hope that that means <laughs> that everybody, we're dropping a little bit of joy into everybody's life. So that was our hope for the pandemic. And another feature of your work, Elizabeth, is the sound, the oral aspect. What were the senior residents, what were they hearing? And what were producers that were close to the scene, not, not the aerial perspective of the drone, but what were the sounds the seniors were making back? Oh, it was so joyful. Well, each venue had three well-known songs so that there was a prompt um, for kind of the beginning, middle, and end. And each venue brought people back to favorite times or favorite melodies. Each venue, we had reached into the community and asked various people to submit favorite songs so that the music, which we had bungee corded these boss speakers to the back of a golf cart. So we <sighs> played the music off of a, an iPhone attached to a mixer on this mobile system. Wow. Um, and each venue had these three songs for a beginning, middle and end so that we could keep the gathering within five to 10 minutes. Everything was to be very short just for COVID rules. Um, but also each place had its particular sound. For instance, in the gardens, in the cutting gardens, we used Tchaikovsky. And it was more of a march because it was an orderly place and we could design a, a different kaleidoscope with that type of movement. At the end, it's a wonderful life. I mean, everybody was in tears <laughs> at that. So we played mm. from John Lennon to Tchaikovsky to Gabriel's oboe as everybody left the final um, finale. And I think that that song, the Ennio Morricone song, just... Oh, it just brought your spirits to a point where if you looked back, you saw people's eyes just streaming. It, it was really a joyous moment. So. so these were all residents. As you said, you were following the parameters of the, the public health orders. So you were finding couples, I mean, from the pictures that I've seen, that there were couples that could get together safely and sort of marked off from different areas while you're having them twirl those beautiful, beautiful umbrellas that you, that you created. Yes, we created the umbrellas based on plant life. So we, I drew the drawings and then we ended up messing around in the printing of them. And then, so we printed four different colors, basically. And then they, everybody had corresponding three-ply masks. And then when there was couple dancing, we tried to figure out at each venue a different look, a different shape for that type of a kaleidoscope. And knowing that everybody would pair off in their couple COVID bubbles, particularly from married people, we thought how wonderful to bring them together. In this case, it was in a beautiful meadow because we're not allowed to be together. So at that moment, I think it was about two o'clock in the afternoon, if we brought people together, you would be able to see their shadow dancing as one and then as two. And I think we're all so sensitive to distance right now that it would have that much more of an impact. And so from the drone's perspective, we were able to capture elongated shadows that just moved seamlessly as they danced to some of their favorite music. 
And then I think there was another venue where we had mapped off spaces for line dancing. So there was a several person, I think it was about 15, squared off area for individual dancers who then, as we put them into a kaleidoscope Mm. form, they reflected one another so perfectly. It was really beautiful to see. So we we tried to find at each venue something that would be unique to the participants, but also to their setting. And the retirement community there offered so many different, oh, different parameters from the meadow to the cutting gardens to the pool. The pool was just tremendous. So anyway, I hope you enjoy looking at it. We're editing it now. And if we're able to do another pop-up event of some of the, I know right now it's very scary. So um, I think even venturing forth and the risks that we were exposing ourselves to, I think it's too much at the moment, but I think that the pandemic goes up and down. And so I think that we're all finding the spaces in between. And so we're just looking for opportunities for that. And we'll continue with some different types of pop-up events in the same manner with the same objective of trying to bring a little joy and optimism, hope, you know, just some beauty into this rather dark time. Without the least bit of snark intended, my thought to this for an opportunity in the future, Elizabeth Turk is red umbrellas and blue umbrellas. Well, part of the beauty of art and part of the beauty of uh, these large community gatherings is that at ET Projects, we're trying to create these platforms where people bump into one another in an entirely non-contextual experience. And they realize that they have a commonality before they become red or blue. And I think that that was a huge part of the inspiration for Shoreline with Malcolm Warner. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, That was a couple days before the midterm election. And I know that Laguna Beach security was very anxious about bringing people, you know, unknown number of people together on the beach. But I think that we prove that we can bring our better sides to the forefront if we sort of create an experience where people are joyfully uh, recreating a playground experience without realizing it at the beginning. So we're trying to invite people to slip into, you know, the best side of themselves and then bump into the best side of somebody else. And in the end, what the biggest reason we gift the umbrellas is just as a reminder mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. all that you have in common with your neighbors. And that just trying to look forward to those types of moments is big without it being so overt. And for those who hadn't seen that installation, I was absolutely privileged to be able to take that in. And they were black and white images on the umbrella. I saw it as like a print and it's negative on each of the... The two exactly. Types. Um, at Shoreline, they were the x-rays of seashells um, oh, okay. and they were photoshopped and kind of into a mandala form. 
So you know, because I grew up in this area, and I think the guilt of having, you know, looked for seashells all those childhood years oh, yes. and just not realizing that <laughs> one by one, everybody was taking these precious sculptures off of the beach. There was a part of me that just wanted to put them all back. And so okay. by putting the um, architecture of the seashell on the umbrella itself, there was the larger ecological story is what that project is about. And we're still, even though the pandemic started and we had to delay our second venue, our second venue was going to be in Southeast Asia this fall. But obviously, flying over to Southeast Asia this October was just not going to happen. And so we pivoted and recreated it with a slightly different look at the end. So the, the Shoreline Project, yeah, the Shoreline Project is so special in my heart because it just brought such beauty onto the beach. It looks like a bunch of stars, <laughs> not just seashells, Absolutely. but stars. And I don't think Malcolm let on that there was that tension on that the Laguna Beach police had to contend with. It wasn't palpable even at that event. So everybody did their part. And in the immersion, all the performers pulled off what you were hoping for. Oh, it was tremendous. The partnership with Laguna Art Museum was amazing. Malcolm, I still to this day can't believe Malcolm um, jumped in you know, 150% as he did. I had never organized a community event before. And this was a much larger event as far as the number of people, the number of participants. And so it was a big undertaking for Laguna Art Museum. And uh, he was completely supportive from before day one. And so we were off to the races, just trying to make it happen. And, um, and it went off so beautifully that it was, it was really exciting to see. And we, we all just wanted to see what people would do, how, what kind mm -hmm. of form they would create. There was a beautiful sense of serendipity about that, as there was about Look Up, and especially in the editing, just trying to find what forms would be created by the different kaleidoscopic editing tools mm -hmm. was a beautiful surprise and it keeps revealing itself frankly all right for those of you who've just joined us my guest and she's the last guest of this year 2020 is local and internationally known artist elizabeth turk well i'd like to talk about your installation at scape and that is short for Southern California art projects and exhibitions, the Air We Breathe COVID Diaries is your part of the installation with artists Karen Gerard and Carol Sandin. Currently visitors, they're not able to access SCAPE, but I, I wanna know how people can get into that installation because there's a lot of really important details on your artwork that are very difficult to take up visually on the web. Mm, well, thank you for mentioning that show. The, I think Scape, Jeannie Dunhall has done such a fantastic job in trying to support projects as well as more traditional object-bound artwork. And this summer, as the pandemic started, we all kind of went into our 
COVID diary phase, I think. As artists, it was so lovely just to shut the door and focus on a practice. I think it helped keep a peace of mind. And so this exhibition reflects that. I think by calling Jeannie Denholm at SCAPE, appointments can be made to see some of the artwork. Okay. a part of that time period. For me, my work, it really revolved around the fires. I had collected a lot of ash from the Getty fire. Yes. And had used that more as... It was a drawing tool, but it was also in recognition of just the questions. What are we doing? So to that question, and Elizabeth, if I may, if you could walk us through the one work, it's the, the aura of it was bigger than the essence. Walk us through that you've got, this is what you've written around this diary piece for our listeners. Please read this diary piece for our listeners to hear what you paired with your drawing of five birds in various stages of flight? Mm. (laughs) Well, I have to tell you that I will have to go find that specific piece to read exactly what I've written. Can we just put put it on a pause? Yes, yes. Yeah, my concept in these, they're my daily diaries. And the feeling is that each of the animals... It was basically the spirit of that animal. It's a, a white dot outline with a very realistic eye. And I found that in my daily walks, when we were all in the original lockdown, I started to notice the detail, the intimacy, the attraction of the small things. So I, I drew a reality that seemed more real than how we were living. So the, the bunnies and the birds and the crickets and the bees in these drawings are realistic. So they're pointillism, they're white yes. ink onto the background that are all shaped by the fire ash. And it's sort of a beige dirt, but also it reflects the, the aura of the skies that we're living in, like sort of this ashen, but also strangely red color that I come to look at now as our new soil. It's not completely black. There's still life there, yet it's daunting. These are pages for a diary, yet I kept looking at them as I placed them on my floor as a total mural. And if you stand back from it, you'll notice that the ash sort of becomes billowing clouds mm-hmm. and kind of the, the aura of the fire. And I started to write upon each of the pages uh, sort of on a see-through clear plastic in front of them, just those thoughts, whether it was the thought of what was happening to each animal as it was having to deal with this new force of nature, Um, whether it was the heat of the sun that we all now feel so penetratingly and also the, I don't know, the loss, the loss of what is so big and yet so intimate. And each of the suns that I drew, I drew in really bold fluorescent colors. So if you look away from it and look onto the white ink of the animals and the, the fire ash, you'll see life again. So if you look at the orange sun, suddenly you'll see the rabbit in greenery because you know how you play with optics 
um, that way. So look at a green ball and you'll see a, a red ball on a white wall. So there's a little bit of tension there with the ball in space that's next to or on several of these pages. So you're talking about the aura, the, a piece of metal, but what does it mean? What does it to what it does to me is so much more. That's the idea is when it's, it's no longer, it's the emotional and psychological uplift was gone, but my day had utterly changed. Or Many of these are the questions, you know, sort of the larger questions of how do we influence the idea very often because this ties into the marble work what i'm interested in is a larger sense of emptiness yes and yes in in focusing on what is contained in that ash after you go into some of these fire areas the sense of emptiness is so overwhelming because you cannot help but picture what just had been and so you realize that you're walking into a space filled with the aura and the memories and the, whether that's the sounds or the smells that are there no longer and yet which have shaped so profoundly what is there. If there had been nothing to burn, what you are walking into would not have existed. I think that for the marble work in taking out so much marble and so you can't help, it's such a slow process, but think about what formed the stone originally and what has formed my intention in, in removing it all. Mm -hmm. um, I mm -hmm. think that flipping that in walking into these spaces now, because there are so many, I mean, it's just the thousands upon thousands of the acreage that are going up in flames is just so profound that the weight of it and how it had formed us in who we are um, spiritually as well as physically, uh, now we're carrying the weight of that loss and how that is going to change us. So many of these COVID diaries or these pages have just ruminations on that theme and questions on that that are both intimate and just overwhelming. And that through line of the aura of things that are gone now, that where you've talked about the extinction of animals and the tipping point all the way through the Getty fire ash compositions and in the COVID diaries, it's a really powerful through line that I hope people can take different moments to get caught up in your work if they haven't already followed you. So if I can, in short order, wrap with this one last question, your work, the immersive ET projects and the COVID diaries and nature, a virus extinguishing human voices. Because of your meditative work, you've no doubt turned a good many other ideas over in your head about the public health ordeal. So is there another kind of medium you'd like to be working with that would signal some paths that you might be pursuing after COVID diaries? Mm. Well, it's, it's interesting, the, the COVID diaries or the air we breathe, it had its origination really in Tipping Point and much of that work yes. that was created with Tyler Stallings at Orange Coast College. And well, that was pre-pandemic. So it was just a weird timing how all of this work 
kind of came and sort of found its place this year where it reflects so perfectly these questions that are right at our doorstep. I think that it's interesting when we're actually in the pandemic, we came up or created and executed Look Up, which seems so full of hope. I think right now there's a a piece I've been thinking about with water. (laughs) Just um, There's something that seems so cooling and rejuvenating in the idea of using water. And it's also just the idea of trying to own water always has seemed silly to me as it you know, it's trying to grab part of an ocean wave. There's something that also begs the questions about humans and their intentions in that. So you're seeing where we're going with that. That is the battle. It's, I mean, it's already playing out and this, the, Mm. the, the water as commodity. And you've talked about that in some of your recent interviews that there's a label that's known for water, but the, the water is getting taken for granted and there's a grab for that commodity that is yeah. all fundamental. Yeah, it's all fundamental. It's true. There's There are different ways that I have approached it in the past, but there's also something just beautifully fun and wonderful about water. So I think right now there's there's a lightness, you know, just like the, the lightness of some of those rabbits and birds in the air we breathe and COVID yes. diaries. There's a lightness that I like to bring out. And um, a good friend of mine, another artist, always says, but then you always have to sucker punch (laughs) (laughs) on another deeper level. And I think, well, maybe that's true, but there is something that's really enticing about the eye candy of water and and just the beauty of, of what is without it being... Oh, I think that's why I like some of Carol Sandin's work. It's just beautiful. And I think there's hope in that, just staying there. So I, thank you. That's, those are those elements in the introduction. And we came full circle to that element of hope. I guess you've just defined for us what intention is. It's beauty with the sucker punch. <laughs> That's in, so oh, I don't know, but yeah, okay. I, I kind of like that. I didn't yeah. have to think about it. Yes. So happy new year, Elizabeth. And thank you so much for your time appearing on this closeout of 2020. Well, thank you so much for inviting me, Claudia. And, and best of luck to you. And here's to a fantastic 2021 for everybody. Thank you. My guest was local and internationally known artist, Elizabeth Turk. Watch for her exhibit at Southern California Art Projects and Exhibitions, SCAPE, the Air We Breathe COVID Diaries installation. Thanks again, Elizabeth. Thank you, Claudia. Well, that was my wrap. I want to thank all of you for listening this year. We've gone quite the road together here and it's been my pleasure we've covered the pandemic the elections both the primary and the general election the climate culture criminal justice and plain old cheer i hope you'll come back with me next year 2021 i'm looking forward to making exceptional programming in this next new year 2021 let's do this together thanks again